Uh, I'm excited. It's Easter Sunday. It is one of the best Sundays of the year as we look back at what Jesus did in that amazing moment where that victory was won for us. Um, and so I'm just happy to be here with you. I got a couple announcements before I dive into my message. Um, the first one being um, just a reminder about the, uh, the Church Center app. I mentioned this last Sunday, I believe, but uh, we have our directory on there. And so make sure to hop on and uh, add your picture if you can, and that'll help Pastor Adam and Wendy, our, our new pastors, when they come um, to get to know everyone. And uh, in my notes here, I don't know who wrote this, but it says, it's okay if you don't add a photo, we'll just grab one from your Facebook account, and hopefully it's a flattering one. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> we won't do that, but we would love to have your picture on there to help them put names and faces together as they uh, prepare to come. Um, I know Adam's been streaming some of the, the services, but uh, he only sees me, and you know that's boring. He wants to see all of you. Um, also, uh, on that note, just to mention, we do have a bit of an update from the board and um, from Pastor Adam as we navigate all the details of getting him started. And so he does have a contract he's in until the end of April. Um, but at the beginning of May, Lord willing, he will be starting officially May 1st, which means May the 2nd, he will be here uh, preaching his first Sunday with us as our new pastor. Um, yeah. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited. It has been... Uh, a long process, but I think a good and effective process, and I'm just so excited for the ministry he's going to bring. I've had uh, the opportunity to chat with him a little bit, and I know he's excited, and he's looking forward to being here with all of you, all of us, so it's going to be good. Um, just a, a quick note as well, we mentioned on Good Friday, but if you weren't here, with this provincial lockdown, we do have limited capacity, so those of you in here, you must have been the few who registered early, um, because if you registered late, you might not have actually been able to fit under the capacity. But uh, what we're encouraging as a part of that, um, whether you're streaming online or, or here in person today, is we thought it would be nice if you could pick two Sundays a month. If you're volunteering, pick the Sundays where you're volunteering, because we need you and expect you. But uh, otherwise, pick a couple, you know, today and two weeks from now, or the, the second Sunday and the fourth Sunday in April. They're all up on our registration portal on our website now. So you can go and pick a couple. And when we get closer to the date, say the Friday night or the Saturday or whatever, if you go on and there's still room for you to register, by all means, we want to fit as many people as we can. We just thought it'd be kind of nice if, you know, uh, some of us took a step back the weeks that, uh, you know, a couple of the weeks if we don't need to be here and just leave room. I know uh, Gemma has had messages from people saying, like, is there going to be any room this Sunday? Any cancellations? Can you, can you fit us in? So uh, it would be nice to just try to let everyone who wants to come, come with these guidelines. And um, also, if you can't make it, do let Gemma know because she may be getting those messages of like, I'd love to come. Are there any last minute cancellations? So uh, Gemma at harborchurch.com, let her know if you can't make it and you have pre-registered. Um, but uh, yeah, all that being said, we're looking forward to a good few weeks and really looking forward to May with Pastor Adam. Um, I do have a message this morning that I'm excited for and uh, I've titled it Worth Dying For and that'll all make sense in a few minutes as I explain a couple perspectives on that, a couple aspects of that and it really does tie into Easter I think quite well. Um, but as I was preparing this message and thinking about Easter, I was thinking about just the idea of sacrifice. Obviously this weekend is one where we co commemorate the sacrifice that Jesus made. 
Um, but I was thinking about just kind of sacrifices in general. I mean, you know, Steve, you know, he was asking about, you know, who likes a good plot twist and that sort of thing, and I love that. Um, I also love in, you know, books and movies and whatever else, I just love these, like, heroic sacrifices. And depending on what genre you're into, some probably come to mind. I mean, for me, it's, you know, thinking of, like, Obi-Wan on the Death Star and the sacrifice he's making to help them get away. Or, you know, I know Marley introduced me to the Hunger Games and, you know, Katniss standing up and like, you know, I volunteer as tribute, I'll take my little sister's place, I'll save her life, or, you know, I mean, maybe you think of like the Terminator at the end of Terminator 2 when he's making the sacrifice, and I don't know, he came back for like six movies after that, I don't, I don't know how that works, but that's one of those emotional moments, or I'm sure there's ones that you can think of, or, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm a big nerd, so Lord of the Rings too, there's like multiple in there, but, you know, these sacrifices, these emotional moments where somebody steps in on behalf of someone else or a group group of people and says, my life, as valuable as it is and precious as it is to me, I'm willing to put it on the line and even give it up because you are more valuable in my heart than I am to myself. This selflessness, it's amazing, especially because I think humans in this sinful, broken world, are, you know, we're corrupted, we're fallen, and there is so much selfishness, and yet there's this glimmer of beauty that we see from time to time. And I mean, you even see it in, you know, I hear stories that are heartbreaking of mothers with their children who you know, there's not enough food, and so they give the food to the children and, you know, put on a smile and, and hope their kids don't notice that they're not eating anything. Or, um, you know, one that I saw as well, I was looking at, like, war recruitment. I've got a, a poster here that I saw online from World War One. and it was like, fight for her, you know? I mean, there's lots of different ways that they coerce people into signing up for service, but... Uh, you know, one of them was striking that emotional chord, like, it's not about you, you're not going to war for you, you're going to war for your loved ones. And through all of this, I, I see a common thread where it almost seems like the, the nobility of sacrifice is written into our design. It, it almost seems like it's a part of how we're created because it seems to resonate regardless of whether you're Christian or atheist, whether you're a believe in creation or you be believe in evolution, you can still see this. And I mean, funny enough, you'd think, you know, evolution, survival of the fittest, self-preservation. I mean, maybe the mother-child thing I can see because they're perpetuating the next generation. But like, why would people lay down their lives for someone else? That doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to debate evolution this morning. But if you do believe firmly in evolution and believe, you know, not in God, it's an interesting conundrum. Why would anyone make that sacrifice? There seems to be something going on worth pondering and, and maybe digging into a little bit. Um, but as I thought about this, this common theme of sacrifice in humanity, whether in story or in action and the way we live, uh, I was reminded all the way back in Genesis 1. And uh, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so, that tells us right there that we are created in God's image. You were made in his image. And, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And, again, that's a, a whole lot of the theology you could unpack. I mean, I even look at that as, like, uh, creativity. I often talk about this with my, you know, creative friends, with my, you know, whether my wife or my mom or, you know, whoever else. But it's like, 
you know, this act of creating things. I mean, we see the beginning of the Bible. It's God creating. He is a creative God. And all you have to do is wander over to Lake Huron during a sunset and see that it's not just a functional creation, but actually a value of beauty, I think, anyway, because, I mean, look at it. He made it pretty beautiful, if you ask me. Or, I mean, looking at, I know it's not great if you have to leave the house, but, like, freshly fallen snow, mid-December, as, you know, the trees are hanging on to all this white and little flakes are lazily drifting down. I mean, it can be beautiful. If you, don't, if you go outside, it loses some of that, maybe. But from your window, it sure is beautiful. Uh, but there's this creative nature, and I see that reflected in the creativity that people have. Um, you know, I, I see us reflecting that aspect of God. And, you know, there are many others that I could point to. Um, but uh, I'm not texting. I'm just, I'm pulling up my notes, by the way. I hope that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, in that uh, image that we're made in, I think there are other aspects of his image that are reflected through that. And I mean, if you look back to the title of the sermon, Worth Dying For, you may get an inkling and you may be ahead of me already, but we'll get there for the rest of us. Um, but in Matthew 13, 44 and 46, and you know, not necessarily a traditional Easter scripture, but I, it is if you bear with me for a minute. And so it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. And then the next verse, he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold everything that he had and bought it. Now, Jesus is basically saying the same thing twice in this, you know, collection of parables. And I think personally, if Jesus repeats himself and says, again, it's like this, that it probably bears our attention, probably bears, uh, you know, listening to. And there are a couple ways that I've heard this interpreted, and I think that they're both right, to be honest. Um, but the main part of this is this idea that he sold everything that he had. And so what does that look like? What does that have to do with the kingdom of heaven? Well, there's two, again, two ways I've heard this interpreted. But the first one that I want to touch on, and we talked about this on Good Friday. If you missed our Good Friday service, uh, you can go back and listen. And we go into the price Jesus paid, and that cross, and, and everything that happened leading up to that. Um, so I'm not going to rehash all of that, because I think we went through it. But Jesus gave everything that he had. And so, you know, the perspective from God is, you know, he is holy and pure and perfect, and he's looking at a humanity who really betrayed his trust, betrayed the promise. They were put in the garden and said, you can have anything you want, just don't touch this one tree. They sinned, they did what they weren't supposed to, and a separation from God occurred. And so God, as just as he is, he looks at mankind and says, yep, you messed up. Yep, you deserve punishment. Yeah, you deserve to be separate from me for all eternity because he's holy. And we if we're not holy, it's just, it does, we can't be connected to him. And there's this break that happened. But God, instead of just leaving it at that and leaving us to reap the rewards as humanity that we've uh, deserved, what he did was he sent his son. And, you know, again, that's, this is the whole story of the cross, right? He sent his only son who gave up his life, gave everything that he had. He lived as a man on the earth, not regarding his own divinity as important, and was humbly here serving and teaching and preaching for three years. And then 
ultimately went up on a cross after being beaten and torn and abused and insults hurled at him. And he's there hanging on the cross and he's saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. This completely selfless attitude, this amazing sacrifice that he made. And that's God's perspective of it. And so again, you know, it's this idea of Jesus decided that you were worth the sacrifice, but you were made in his image. And I think that's so interesting because I think there are implications there. And again, you see this, I think, as humans, in some regards, we do this almost naturally, where love trumps our selfishness and we're willing to make sacrifice as a result. Um, And I mean, I spend a lot of time at home with my wife and my son, and so hopefully you're not sick of hearing about them. I will never be sick of them, and so I won't know. So tell me if you're like, enough of Levi, enough of Marley, we're over it. But, you know, I I see her all the time do this. You know, it's mealtime, she sits down, she's got this hot meal that she's been working on and excited for, and then Levi decides that, oh, you're eating, I want to eat, I'm hungry. And so Marley gets up and walks away from her meal and it cools down and she takes care of the baby. Or he wakes up in the middle of the night and he needs mom or whatever and it takes a bit of time to get him sorted out. And I, and I do, she doesn't do everything. I do help out, I promise. She'll, hopefully she'll back me up on that story. But, you know, I, it's amazing the selflessness that she exhibits with our son Levi. And the reason is because she loves him. She absolutely loves him. Since before he was born, since before we even had that first ultrasound that we looked at, she was just totally in love with the guy. And so the sacrifice was worth it. And the love trumped the selfishness. And, you know, I see this in all kinds of, you know, relationships, whether it's that parent and that child. I mean, I even see it, you know, I was thinking driving here this morning um, about, you know, back in the, think back to, you know, if you've been married a while, back to when you first started dating your spouse, or, or maybe even, you know, think back to, like, the high school romances. I'm reminded of some of the things that, you know, teenagers in high school would do, and it's like, they're so enamored with this individual that, I mean, sometimes it's like their hairstyle changes, their clothing changes, the TV shows they watch change, the music they listen to changes, the way they talk change, the people they hang out with change, and it's like this complete transformation because they're so head over heels. And I think maybe, you know, as teenagers, we can take it a little far because, you know, if, if you're being someone other than yourself to make someone love you, then maybe you've gone astray. But, you know, you see this romantic notion trump everything else. And it's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, that was, you know, me when I started dating Marley and hopefully I'm still keeping some of that alive where it's just like, you know what? Me is less important because of you. And so, you know, the the question is, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, what sacrifices are you willing to make? He's already made the ultimate sacrifice. He's already given everything that he had for us. And he did that not expecting anything in return. In that moment, again, insults were being hurled at him. He was facing the deepest rejection that he could have faced so much loathing and hatred from the people that he came to save. Even his disciples, we see some of them turning their backs on him. We see Peter denying him like this complete isolation that he went through. And he decided it was worth it because of love. And so I I believe that our response, not because God expects it from us, because he, you know, because we have to earn our salvation, we have to, you know, if you give up this and that and everything else, then finally you'll get into heaven. I don't think that's what it is. I just think that there is this 
nature of the relationship where it's like, if I really love God, if I really passionately love Jesus, then other things begin to grow less important. And my focus is so fixed on Jesus Christ that some of this other stuff just fades away and it doesn't really matter anymore. And I look in Matthew chapter 10 and verses 38 and 39 and and Jesus is talking about this idea of taking up your cross. And this is before he's gone to the cross. And, you know, uh, I mean, obviously crosses were used in that day and age. It was a familiar symbol. Um, but he hadn't set the precedent yet. But he was alluding to that, really foreshadowing. He says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And we see with Jesus, and again, I don't want to spend too much time just re-preaching what happened Friday, but uh, I see with this where Jesus, he really set the example for us. And I mean, that's the amazing thing is, you know, we stumble and we fall and we make mistakes, but there is no way that we can claim that it's, you know, at all hypocritical of Jesus, this expectation that he places on us because he already did it all, you know. He, he made that sacrifice. He was ready and willing and did, in fact, give up his life. And as Steve so powerfully put it, you know, it looked like all was lost. It looked like that was the end of the story. If you were there on that day and didn't know the way that it turned out as we do now, you would think, well, that's it. It's done and it's over. But I have been... I think this is my next slide. I've been to Israel, it is. Um, I've been to Israel. I've been to what they say is the tomb. And uh, whether it's actually the tomb or not, I don't know, because, you know, there's a whole lot of tourist uh, value for them to say this is it. And there's two potential sites at least that might be the tomb. And, you know, they talk about, you know, this is the tomb and there's the Catholic tomb and there's the Protestant tomb. I like this one because it's in a beautiful garden and it's very peaceful and lovely. The Catholic one is in a very dark cathedral space, and it's very somber and very, I don't know. Anyway, I, I like this one, and I like this one because it's got this nice sign on the door. And so I've been there, and I've checked it out, and I mean, the reality is whether this was the exact tomb or not, there is an empty tomb, and he is not there. He has risen. Amen. That is what we're celebrating today. The fact that the tomb is empty. He paid the price for us. He gave up his life. He gave everything that he had. But he knew. He knew the end of the story. He knew that as he gave up his life on the cross, that he wasn't just giving up everything to be left with nothing. He knew that giving up everything was the only way to gain everything that really, truly, actually mattered. And so he went to the cross because he knew that he had to conquer death. He knew that he had to conquer the grave. He knew that the price had to be paid for sin for you and for me. So that that gap, that chasm that we sang about this morning, how great the chasm. But he wanted to bring us back to him. And so he paid that price knowing that what he would gain was so much more valuable than everything that he was going to have to give up. And so I, 
I look at that and Jesus says, well, take up your cross. Follow me. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life, you'll gain it. So what does that mean? Well, I think that that very realistically means that our lives themselves are to be laid on the altar. You know, in Romans, it talks about being a living sacrifice, how we place ourselves on the altar and give everything to him. And I heard a preacher one time and, you know, he was talking about, you know, how we come to Jesus and, and we, we can try to barter sometimes. Have you ever done this where it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to give up, uh, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give up drinking and I'll give up cursing, but I'm not quite ready to give up smoking and I'm not quite ready to give up these friends because, you know, I, I've been close to them for a long time. They've seen me through some hard times and they're really important to me and maybe I can be a light. And, and so, you know, I'm going to keep that and I'm going to keep this and I'm keep this other thing. And, you know, I'm going to give you like 55%. It's more than half. And that's got to be good enough, right? Or, you know, we, we, we come to Jesus and we, we try to justify holding on to these things. And we say, well, you know, you couldn't want this because it's so important to me. And Lord, don't you know my heart? And, you know, I, 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 I can use this for you. And, and you know, I, Jesus doesn't want to take those things because he wants you to be left with nothing. But he wants us to be willing to sacrifice it all. He wants us to be willing to put it all before him and say, you know what, Jesus? It's yours for the choosing. And he's not going to leave you with nothing. But it's about giving him the ability because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows the things that are going to harm you. He knows the things that are going to hurt you. He knows the things that are going to distract you and pull you away from your purpose and from your destiny, from the plan for your life. He knows the relationships that are just going to damage your heart and going to drag you down and going to keep you locked up in sin and bondage. He knows the habits that are going to drain your bank account and keep you stuck and stumbling over and over and over again and wreak havoc on the rest of your life, on all of your relationships and your job, your family. He knows. So he looks at those things and he says, I want you to be free from anything that is going to hold you back. It's about trusting him to know what's better. And, you know, he sold everything that he had, and that's what he's asking us to do, to say, you know what, I'm ready to give it all up. I, uh, again, you know, I apologize for overusing the family, but, you know, it's funny, I uh, actually, I have this guitar amp that I got years ago, maybe 10 years ago or more, and um, I bought it, I, I found it used online, and the guy was selling it because he just have a, had a baby. And he's like, well, you know, we got the new baby and we're doing the nursery and we're doing all this stuff. And, you know, there's expenses. And I don't really need 10 guitar amps so I can sell one of them. And so he sells a guitar amp and I'm like, yes, score. I got the, I got a good, I mean, it, it was a fair price. But, you know, I got this, you know, pick, got used value instead of having to buy the thing new. And, you know, I got this amp that I love and still use. You've, you've seen it on a Sunday if you see me play electric guitar. And I thought, you know, when I'm older, when I've got a family, I'm not gonna get rid of my gear. And you know, funny enough, my son comes along and I realize that I don't need two guitar amps. I don't even really need one because I'm gonna wake the little guy if I blast guitar at you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and it's just not worth it. And so sure enough, this Christmas I sold a guitar amp 
not out of desperation, but just because I thought, you know what, this isn't that valuable and I, it could be doing, that money could be doing other things for me. And I was willing to sell that because I looked at little Levi and I said, you know what, my priorities have, have shifted a bit. And so I really believe that God is coming to us this morning, having willfully paid the price for us, having done everything that he could do to bring us back to him and giving us this free and amazing gift of salvation, of eternal life. But I believe there are things that he wants us to be free from, things that will hold us back, things that will prevent us from experiencing abundant life as he wants us to have it. And so, you know, the, the question again, he sold everything he had, but the question rhetorical, hopefully rhetorical, um, is, is Jesus worth it? Borderline blasphemous, depending on how you answer it. I'm hoping you answer it the right way. Of course he's worth it. Of course he is worth it. He is so much better than the things of this world. He is so much better than any substance, any TV show, any ungodly relationship, any, any job, any career. He is so, so much better. And he's not going to take everything away, but what he's going to do is he's going to leave you with the things that give you life, that give you true fulfillment, that give you true joy, that help you be who he created you to be. And so I want to take a minute and pray, and then we're going to worship together. But I want to ask you to close your eyes with me this morning. And here's what I hope you're willing to do. And if you're sitting at home watching online, I pray that you close your eyes as well and just take a minute. And here's what I want you to pray. And, and if you're not willing to, that's okay. If you're not there yet, that's okay. If you need some time, that's okay. But Because I don't want you to pray this unless you're really truly serious because I believe God is faithful and he will answer this prayer and he will show you things. And so uh, my prayer is that you're ready to respond as he speaks to you. But if you're willing to be bold and be brave and, and to be ready to give up anything for him, then let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, my life is yours. I present myself as a living sacrifice. Jesus, as you gave everything you had for me 2,000 years ago, this morning, today, I say in the same way, I'm ready to take up my cross. Lord Jesus, I put everything before you on the altar. I say, here is my life. No doors are locked. Nothing hidden away. You see it all, Jesus. And right now, I pray through your Holy Spirit, you would speak. You would show me. You would guide me. Jesus, if there is anything that you want me to give up, walk away from, get rid of, give away, sell, quit, stop doing anything that you want me to get out of my life. Jesus, this morning, you have permission. You have free reign as Lord of my life. Transform me into your image. 
Jesus, our prayer is to become more and more like you. And so we pray, God, that anything that is holding us back from becoming more like you, anything that is holding us back from walking in our destiny, we say, take it. You can have it all, Lord. You can have it all because you are worthy. You are faithful. You know better than we do. You know what we need, and you know what we need to get rid of. So I just want to pause for a minute here. Just take a minute. Let him speak. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. I believe he's speaking to you right now. There are things, and maybe you're hesitating, and maybe you're thinking, No, I couldn't be. That's just, no, I'm, I'm just thinking about that because that's the one thing that I know He wouldn't want. That's the one thing I know He wouldn't say to get rid of. But I believe He's speaking. If you'll listen, He's speaking to you. I don't want to put any pressure on you. I, I don't believe God wants to coerce you or trick you or, or drag you into service. No, He gives us free will. But He loves you passionately and fiercely. He loves you in a way that would make him leave heaven and come down and lay down his life for you. And he wants what's best for you. And so if you love him and if you trust him, I believe that as you give things up, he will give back more than you could ever measure, more than you could ever count. It will be so much better Having given up those things, you will gain more than you ever sacrificed. So if you're willing, again, let's pray. Jesus, I hear your voice, and you can have it all. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a song this morning, and uh, why don't you stand with us? We're going to declare together that he is worthy.